this is our third week in Mark 13, this Olivet Discourse. And so Jesus has left the temple with his disciples, and he's gone up on to the Mount of Olives. And, and he's taken four of his disciples with him that we know of. He might have taken more, but we know for sure Peter, Andrew, James, and John are there. And he's speaking to them, and one of the things that, that happened was when they went out of the temple, they were just in awe of how it looked, how it sounded, all of the really cool things that, were, that it was made of. And I think probably for us today, like as we enter into this new building, and we're like, wow, that's really cool. We can take some of those same things and say, hey, what was the judgment against that temple? The judgment against the temple was that it was, it was really beautiful on the outside, but there was no depth. God was not, not working and doing things in their lives. And so I just pray that we would be a people that have great depth because of what God is doing in us. And so as we read this, we, we hear the warning, the judgment of the temple. And then last week we looked at, very specifically, Jesus said, hey, listen, these things are going to happen, and these things that are going to happen are going to be a, a, a precursor to the destruction of the temple. And when that happens, you guys need to get out of there because I love you. And the wrath of God is coming upon Jerusalem and the temple, and you don't want to be here when that happens. And so we saw that. We also, because of where we're at in space and time, we can look back and say, man, that's exactly what happened. Jesus was honest and true in his proclamation. And so we can say, man, Jesus is trustworthy. He's faithful. He's, he's true. And so if he warned the disciples about that, then the warning that he's given today to his disciples about his second coming and how we need to stay awake is true for us today. And so I pray that we would hear that. That we, we would stay awake, not just for an hour while Joel's talking. Well, it's not going to be an hour. But not just for the time that we're gathered here, but that, that spiritually we would be awake. That we would be active in what God is doing. That we would say, Lord, I want you to lead me where you would have me go. I want to do what you would have me do. I want to say what you would have me say. All for your glory. And so I pray that we would hear that from the words of Jesus today and that we'd be transformed and conformed into his image because that's what we desperately need. Will you pray with me? God, we, we thank you. We thank you that you meet us here today. God, that we were able to read these words together and, and we've already told all of us several times your words to stay awake. We don't know when the master will return. But there's work to be done. There's eyes that need to be opened. There's sleepers that also need to be awakened. And you've invited us to participate in what you're doing there. God, and, and as we receive the good news of Jesus, Lord, I pray that we would stay awake. I pray that we'd watch for what you're doing. And then we would invest all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength in it. Lord, because that's what you said true worship is. That if we love the Lord our God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, everything in our being, Lord, that that is worship and that's what you've called us to. Lord, would you do that in us today? We thank you so much for the words of Jesus that were written down by Mark. The other have truth for us today. Would you move by the power of your spirit the Holy Spirit that dwells in us as the people of God, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see today, Lord? And I pray that, 
throughout all of Brevard County, Lord, and churches and Cross Point Coast Pineda where James is preaching this morning. Lord, I pray that people would hear and see the beauty of Jesus. I pray that you would do that in Mongolia and you would do that in Guatemala and you would do that in, in, in South Africa and all the different places where we know that it's going on in Saudi Arabia with, uh, on, on the base there. God, Lord, that you would be proclaimed and made much of and that we would celebrate and remember the goodness of our God today. We know that it's only by miracle that that happens. And so we thank you for the miracle that we have today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this week, um, really just, just one point that Jesus is driving home that um, we're going to see. And then the rest of it is application. And Jesus is really kind. He gives us, listen, this is what's going to happen and then he says, and in light of what's going to happen, you need to be ready. You need to stay awake. And then you have all of the implications of that. What does that mean? What does stay awake mean? So he talks about that day and that hour in verse 32. And if you look ahead to verse 35 where he gives the parable, it's talking about when the master will return. And so our hope today is the, is the hope that the work that Jesus has done on the cross his gospel work that was done 2,000 years ago is sufficient today for us to walk in righteousness, but it's not the end because Jesus is also coming again. He's come once. He's made the way for us to have life and have it abundantly, and then there's going to come a day where there will be no more weeping, no more sin, no more sadness. The perfection that he created, he will recreate in his second coming. And so today I want us to see that. I don't want us to think about that as some ethereal, like up in the air type of thing, but that's a reality that it will happen. And so we need to be ready. And we need to look for places where, where some of that is manifesting now and rejoice in it. Like God is healing the broken. He is restoring. He is making whole. And so I pray that we would rejoice in that. Verse 32 of our passage. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. But concerning that day or that hour. When we read that day or that hour, Jesus has shifted. So, so he's, in this discourse, he shifted from talking about a particular warning and a particular destruction that was coming to Jerusalem and now if you, if you read the Greek, it, it transitions and the subject changes. And so we actually have to jump down to 35 to see what the subject is. What, what is that day or that hour? Jesus in his parable says, therefore stay awake. He talks about it. Uh, 34 begins, it is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. That's the day or the hour that he's talking about. When the master of the house returns. The master of the house, the, 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 the Lord of the temple who had left the temple, entered into the people, right? And then we have the promise of the Holy Spirit that says God may have left the temple. He's created a new temple in his people, his church. And now he dwells in us. But one day the master is going to come back in person. And we don't know the day or the hour. I've had the gift of reading uh, through the, the letters of Peter. And so we've, 
We've talked about it a little bit, but a lot of scholars and a lot of um, commentaries agree that, that Mark's gospel is an account of, of Peter's retelling of the story of Jesus. And so Peter's telling Mark, Mark's writing it down, all of it being done by the power of the Holy Spirit, using frail and, and uh, sinful men to create this beautiful story that we have that's still in our hands today that we have access to to know the mind of God and the story of God. And so Peter is writing, or is telling Mark, Mark's writing it down, and then you look later, and you can go and read Peter's words to the church in his letters to the church in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, and you, you pick up the things that Jesus said. Peter's saying the same things. He's, he's saying, that one of the things that is clearly evident is how much of, of Jesus' teaching that Peter took to heart and then he repeats it and shares with the church over and over. And isn't that what a disciple is? Like if, if we say, Peter, James, John, Andrew, they're all disciples. There's more disciples than just them. There's the 12, and then there's more disciples than just them. People that followed and, and listened to what Jesus said, repeated it, believed it, and it changed their lives. And then that's what we're saying we are today. As Christians, we are disciples of Christ, people that would follow him. That's what discipleship is. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus' last words at the end of, end of the, the gospel of Matthew. He's telling his disciples, this is called the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. A couple things there. Making disciples of all nations. That's what Peter's doing. He's, he was a disciple of Jesus. He heard the words of Jesus. So what is he going to give to the people that he's teaching, the disciples that he's making? He's going to give them the words of Jesus. He's going to give them that same encouragement, that same hope, that same love, that same truth. And then finally, at the end of that, he says, for I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's one of the things we're talking about today. The end of the age. When Jesus will come back and restore all things and be with us again in person. So we said, a lot of what you hear from Jesus, Peter repeats to the church. Turn with me to 2 Peter, to chapter 3. If you have a Bible or, or in, on your device, 2 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to be in 17 through, or sorry, 7 through 13. And we're just going to read Peter's words. Right? We've, we already had Jesus' words to Peter. So what does Peter say in light of that? Picking up in verse 7, But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that, the, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise to some, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that you should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus so to, to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? 
But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Can you imagine? A new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Not like glimpses of it, like we kind of see in our own lives, but it, it is, all of it is righteous and perfect. I can't imagine that. And Peter, Peter is, is taking what Jesus has said to him, that he's going to be with him, and that the Master's going to come back. And he's saying, listen, because he's coming back, there's ways that we should live. In 13, Jesus gives the parable, be on guard. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. Peter's words. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar. It's some of the same language. We talked about this last week, that the language that Jesus used and the disciples knew was Old Testament language, Old Testament context. And so Peter's receiving that in his upbringing, and then he's hearing Jesus speak it, and he's speaking the same things to us today and to the church that he writes to 2,000 years ago. Talking about this great day of the Lord. And so we have the promise that Jesus is giving to his disciples on the Mount of Olives, that in the end, when he fulfills his other promises to them, and what are his other promises? Well, we, we've talked about a lot. Mark 10.45 is kind of one of our key verses in, in the Gospel of Mark. The promise that for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for, as a ransom for many. Jesus is talking to the disciples about this future thing, but he's already talked to them about a very present thing, a very present promise that they have. That Jesus has come to make a way for them to be right with God. To serve them as the, as the Son of Man. To be delivered over to, to ungodly men. Do, do you guys remember how Peter reacted when Jesus said that? <laughs> he didn't take it the best way. He, he actually tried to rebuke Jesus. And Jesus said, no, this is, the, this is the plan of God. That the Son of Man, that I would be delivered over to sinful men. And that Jesus would be the sacrifice that we desperately need to be made right with the Holy God. That's one of his other promises. That's a current promise for them right there. And now Jesus is giving them this future promise that yes, that will happen. And there will be a truth and a living that we get to do out of that. But there's also this future promise that Jesus will come again. That he will come and restore all things and make all things new. And so these promises are fulfilled. The disciples don't know it as they're listening on the Mount of Olives, but very soon, because we are in the week of passion, Jesus is going to go to the cross. In this next chapter, we see Jesus betrayed by his very, one of his very closest friends. We see him turned over to wicked men by wicked men. We see him led to the cross and him sacrificed. It's a tragic story, and it's beautiful. And so I pray that as we're, as we're in that moment, as we're reading through these things, that we would really take that to heart. 
But right now, Jesus is telling them about a future promise that they have. A promise that the Son of Man will return, that the Master will return, and He will make all things new. The Bible has given us the whole story. I hope that we're reading this. Not just on Sundays, but we're, we're consuming this because the story of the Bible is so full and whole and good and beautiful, it should drive all of what we do. We have this, this story of the gospel seen from the very beginning to the very end. We have the creation, God speaking things into being in, in the beginning of Genesis. And then we, right after that, we have the fall where we took these beautiful things that God made and in our arrogance and in our pride, we said, we, we don't need you. We just want the things that you've given us. And, and, and so Adam and Eve sinned against God. And because of their sin, we all now live in sin. But then we have the story of redemption. That Jesus has come. This is what we're reading about right now. That we could not get right with God. And so God Himself came down from heaven, took the form of mankind, and walked perfect obedience to the cross. Obedience we couldn't walk. And at the cross, He gave up His life for you and for me. And then He rose again, proving that He was victorious over sin and death, that it worked, that redemption was applied. And so we rejoice in that. So fall, or creation, fall, redemption. And then we have this final piece, this restoration that's going to happen. It's currently happening to a degree in our lives, but one day we will see it fully when Jesus comes back and He makes all things right. A new heaven and a new earth. Kind of have this throughout the story that You have the Garden of Eden, this perfect creation. And then that gets wrecked and destroyed because of our sin. And so God kind of condenses it down and creates the temple where we can be right with God, where we have to walk through um, these sacrifices and these offerings that would point to the sacrifice and the offering that would come in Jesus. And so God's dwelling place with man was in the temple. But as we've seen, even that became something that we abused and distorted and wrong. Religion happened there, along with some right, true worship. It did. But a lot of it was an external, whitewashed worship. And so God pronounced judgment upon that. And so he sends his son. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's how we have interacted with God. And then he sends, he he goes away to sit at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us, to continue the work that he began on earth. He continues it to this day, seated at the right hand of of the Father, in the seat, the throne, where He rules. But He also sent His Spirit. He said, it's even better if I go, because now I'm going to send you the Spirit, and it's going to dwell inside of you, and it's going to lead you into the paths of righteousness. So we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, and then one day, soon I hope, we're going to have God restoring all things. All the brokenness will be washed away. Jesus pointing his disciples to the hope that they have in his returning and making all things new. I turn to the last book of your Bible. It's towards the end. Revelation. Revelation 21. So it ends in chapter 22. So if you go to the very end and then you either turn back a page or scroll up, depending on how you're doing it. Revelation 21, 1 through 8. 
I want us to read this today and realize that this is our hope. The hope that while we see in part now, one day we're going to see fully. While we experience moments of grace and redemption and restoration now, one day we're going to, like, that's all we're going to experience. And I can't imagine that. I'm beginning to because he's starting to do it even more and more in my life and I'm just like overwhelmed with the kindness of God. But I think that there's going to come a day where it's just going to be, that's all it is. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for the words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That's both like awesomely beautiful and terrifying at the same time. But if we're gathered here today, there's something stirring in us that says that this is true. Probably to varying degrees, but, but hopefully all of us are beginning to take hold of this and say, you know what, I believe that what God says is true. And, and you have this from Jesus speaking to John, which is crazy because in Matthew he's speaking to John in person. In Revelation he's speaking to John in uh, a dream or a vision, and he's telling him to write these things down. And John is seeing Jesus through different eyes. He's not seeing the, the very human, well, he's still seeing a very human Jesus, but he's not seeing the, the meek and humble Jesus. He's seeing um, the Jesus that comes with fire in his eyes, the Jesus that comes with judgment. And so it's, it's taking him aback some. And we need to see that Jesus is all of these things. We need a full picture of God. And you only get that by knowing His Word and by praying and, and the revelation of His Spirit into our hearts that would say, this is who I am. And if this is true, then that means that I get to define who you are and then you need to respond out of that. But here we see in verse six, he said, or verse five, he says, "Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true." Jesus is going to come back; he's going to restore all things. And you read about the beauty of what he's doing. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's the promise for the people of God. There's a promise for those who have rejected also. 
Both are equally true and equally real. We need to know that and we need to believe it. And then that needs to affect the way that we live. Because listen, Jesus gives this parable in Mark. Right? He's, he's talking about all these things at the end of the, the discourse here. And he's calling them while he's telling a story. What is he telling his disciples to do? Over and over in Mark. We read it together. Do you guys remember two words that he said over and over? Stay, yeah, yours says alert. Some of them might stay awake. In light of this truth, what do we do? We stay awake. We look for what he's doing. We participate in what he's doing. We walk in godliness and holiness like we saw in in 2 Peter. See, Peter said the same thing to the church. And then he says, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. How do we live? We live by walking in the holiness and godliness that God has provided through His Son, Jesus. There is a call. And it's both a a stay awake which seems almost a little passive, but it's a very active staying awake. I think sometimes we just get caught up in um, what God is doing really in my own heart and in my own life. And so while we're awake to that, maybe we're not awake to what He's doing in the lives of our neighbors and the lives of our communities. Or maybe we're so outwardly focused on the lives of our communities and our neighbors trying to fix them and change them that we miss out on what God is doing in our own hearts. And the fruit of the Spirit that's being born in us. But staying awake is this holistic thing. It's seeing what God is doing in me. seeing what God is doing in my household. It's it's those concentric circles branching out to say, God, you're so good. Don't let me get lost in any one of these things, but may my eyes be open and may I stay awake to everything that you're doing. May I walk in the holiness and godliness that you've provided for me through your son, Jesus Christ. That's what it means to stay awake. If you look in um, Matthew and his account of the, the discourse on the Mount of Olives, Matthew has three chapters where we only have the one. And he actually, he's, there's a lot more to it. But one of the things that he talks about is, is this little blurt that we have in Mark about when the master goes away and he leaves the doorkeeper and that, that doorkeeper needs to stay awake. Jesus gives another parable. And he gives the parable of the talents. Maybe you've heard this, the parable of the talents. I'm not going to go back and, and read it, but I would encourage you, Mark 25, to read it this week. The parable of the talents. You see, Jesus has given us gifts and talents to operate in. This godliness and holiness that we're talking about, it's the gifts that he's given us as the church to operate in. And so if you remember, he gives the the one uh, servant five talents, and he gives the one servant two talents, and he gives the one servant one talent. And then he goes away for a while, and then he comes back. And he asks them, what have you done with those talents? And the first one had turned the five into ten, and Jesus was like, man, the master was like, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you for being faithful and obedient. To the other one who only had two, he, he turned it into two more talents and four talents. The one who got one had a, did not know who his master was. 
He said, I know you're a hard man. I know that you, you have high demands. And, and so then he just said he buried it and hid it. And the master was not pleased with that when he came back. Listen, today, we've been given talents. We've been given opportunities to, to partner with and to participate in what God is calling us to do. Maybe it's loving your wife like Christ loved the church. Maybe it's raising up your children in the way that they should go so that, that knowing Jesus and so they won't depart from it when they get old. Maybe it's loving your neighbor more than yourself. Maybe it's turning the other cheek to an enemy that's been abusing you, um, knowing that you have, a, you have a vindicator in Christ who will one day make all things right. But these are the ways that God has called us to partner with Him, to, to walk with Him step by step in the gospel. And so it's not, an, it's not a passive thing. It's not a, a, a just keeping my eyes open. No, it's like open my eyes. Help me to see the people that you have put in my life so that I can walk with them and point them to the truth of who God is. And to point them to the truth of what sin is. Listen, that's true. When you read Revelation, and there's a list of these things that are sin, that are defilement to God. And he says, you can't be part of those things because if, those, if that's who you are, you will burn in hell. And do we take sin that seriously in our own lives? Do we take it that seriously in the lives of those that we love and those that we're in community with? Do we preach this gospel? Stay awake. think about some of you young guys and, and gals and you have this gift of time like the talents that Jesus that the master gave the servants currently you have this gift of time and availability and what are you doing are we, are we taking that and milking it for everything that God could use it for or are we saying no that's mine and I'm, that's just definitely not just young people that's all of us right we all sit under that conviction know that whenever the spirit brings conviction it does not bring condemnation it just opens our eyes to say oh god i haven't done that but i want to if that's where you're going then i want to go with you i want to be part of that stay awake what are we supposed to be doing we're supposed to be proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Proclaiming that Christ has given us his righteousness to walk in by his atoning work on the cross. You need to know kind of the, kind of the basics of the gospel so that you can share it with people. Here's the deal. That we've got this really cool um, gathering. But, but people aren't going to come to this gathering because really we even invite them. They're going to come to this gathering because you spoke to them the truth of the gospel. Because one day when they saw you having joy in the midst of pain and persecution and a hard time, you had joy. And they're going to say, why? No, that doesn't make sense. And you're going to be like, no, but my God is really good. Like the circumstances are, are rough right now. But God loved me so much, he sent his son Jesus 
to die on the cross for my sins. And so even in the midst of hard circumstances, I have joy and I rejoice because God is good. That's what, that's what the dying world needs to see. That's what those who are perishing, those who are living in sin, those who are chasing after their own ways need to see and hear from us as the church. We need to be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Christ has given us His righteousness to walk in by His atoning work on the cross. Christ has given us His Spirit to lead us in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Not so that we would be comfortable, not so that we would be better people, but so that God would be glorified. The other things happen just as a, it's like gravy. Like we get to experience the joy, the comfort of Christ, the peace of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. All of that's gravy because Jesus is getting all of the glory that's due Him. Jesus has given us life to worship him with. God has given us his word and the good news of the gospel to share with his people. He's prepared good works for us to walk in. We're not going to see any of this if our eyes are closed. Stay awake. We need opened eyes. And there are those whose eyes are closed who are dead to what this life is all about. And they need their eyes opened. Pray that the spirit would do that work. And that he would lead us to walk with them in the midst of that. That's what this means. Like, we need to be awake. We need to be active in what God is doing. Our lives are not our own. We have been bought with a price. It's a very precious price. The blood of Jesus Christ poured out for us. So our response is stay awake. In, in that, maybe there's some conviction that's come this morning that we need to repent of. Like, God, I've been living for myself. I've been more um, busy looking at my schedule than at your word. I've thought more about what I want and my entertainment and how I'm going to go about that than I, am, than I have been about praying and seeking your face and praying for my friends and neighbors. There's opportunities that we have to partner with Christ and are we taking advantage of those things? And again, there's... there's this should not bring condemnation. It should bring eyes opened. To say, God, you're doing some things and I want to be part of that because of the grace that you've shown me in your son Jesus, his glorious face. And I want to respond in repentance and in belief. Do we believe that Jesus is really coming back? It's a good question. Hard for us to wrap our, our minds around and to really imagine but do we believe when we read that, that, that he's going to come back and all of the brokenness will be no more? The, the, the brokenness that is world war with Ukraine and Russia going on, that would be no more. The brokenness of, of racism and sin that's, that's so prevalent in so many cultures would be no more. That the brokenness between a, a father and a son who says, hey, this is what I want you to do, and there's rebelli a rebellious heart, or a father's heart that is uh, controlling and abusive, that, that would be no more. Like all of those things. We're talking grand scale down to the very minute. All of it will be no more when Jesus comes back. I can't imagine. And I'm so excited. And then are we seeing glimpses of that? Like today. My own heart. And shouldn't that propel us to, to have our eyes open, to stay awake, to rejoice in the goodness of God and what he's doing. So the call today is to repent and believe. Stay awake. 
Walk in the goodness and mercy of Christ. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you. You are so kind. Your word is true. You're coming back. You're going to restore all things. We don't know when. We don't know where. So we want to be awake. We want to be ready, God. We don't want to wait until tomorrow because there may not be a tomorrow. So, Lord, move in us today. Make us a people who who are joy-filled. Make us a people who are proclaimers of this good news. Make us a people who um, mourn with those that are mourning and weep with those who are weeping because brokenness is still real. Until you come back, brokenness is very real. So Lord, would you do that in us today? We know that every, every glimpse we get is, is a miracle. The working of your Spirit in us, moving us into godliness and holiness, transforming and conforming us to the image of Christ for your glory. All of that is a miracle, and we rejoice in it. We ask that you would do it more. Lord, and we ask that you would come soon. Even in the same breath, we pray that we would be, that you would wait because there's people that are lost. We need to go to them with the gospel. Lord, help us to go. Help us to stay awake. May we be a people who give you great glory, who worship you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. In your name we pray. Amen.